Hi there! This is the PowerPoint Tribe, where our vibe is faith and our food is the Word. Prepare to be strengthened and encouraged through the teachings of God's Word and the ministry of the Spirit. Welcome your neighbor to church. Say neighbor, welcome, welcome. Welcome. And of course, you know, it's also a good time to invite your friends, invite your colleagues, invite your team members, invite everyone and tell them at come o'clock. Glory to God. Today, indeed, is the last day of the feast. <laughs> it's indeed the last day of the feast. Uh, the Mixlr link is shared on the group. You know, post your status on your social media and 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 just invite someone to church. Invite someone to church. Amen. And in the same way, let us, you know, get in the mood and um, position our hearts to worship Jesus and just bless him. Let's fix our gaze on him. Let's fix our gaze on him and say, thank you, Jesus. Lord, we are grateful. Lord, we are grateful. Lord, we are grateful. Lord, we are grateful for the privilege of access to your word. We're grateful. We're grateful. We're grateful. Tribesmen, I hope you're thanking Jesus and praying. Lord, we are grateful. 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 Lord, we are thankful. We pray we do not go casual. We do not, we do not get casual with your word. Yes, it's a review session, but your, your, the power that is imminent in your word does not reduce by regurgitating it. No, no, it's, it's ever new, ever fresh. Thank you, Jesus. So help our hearts, Lord, that we do not become so familiar with your word. We do not walk casually. We do not act casually around your word. We are so, we, we, we reference your word. We revere your word. Lord, we do, not, we do not act casually in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, because tonight is a blessed night. Tonight is a blessed night. Tonight is a blessed night. Thank you, Jesus, because we're here to receive. We're here to receive. We're here to receive. We're here to receive. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We place honor. We place weight in the word. Thank you, Jesus. 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 In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Tribesmen, hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. We should show some excitement, really. Today is indeed the last day of the feast. <laughs> the last day of the feast, you know. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> All right. So we'll be picking up from where we stopped last, last week. And um, the first thing that we're going with the CGX. CJX, are you ready with your representative? 
I can hear you. I can hear you. Okay. Yes, good evening, yeah. everyone. So, my name is Adra Gwemi from TGX. Uh, apologies for the little noise. Yes. Um, I'll be taking the topic on God's term, God's, um, term point love agenda. That was Romans chapter 8, starting from verse 31 to 39, and uh, I have about five minutes for this. So the message was handled by Pastor Dami, and it was really, really um, enlightening for me. I even going through the review all over again. I would just put on the high point, noting my time, and then uh, what I learned. In the review, Pastor started with a deep explanation as to who the nature of God is. Uh, our God, the God that we serve, our Heavenly Father, is all-powerful and equally all-loving. So because of this um, attribute of God, a lot of people may think, a lot of people may, may think, may take his, his power for granted, they may think that maybe he's not as powerful as he, he claims to be. No, it's just that God himself subjects himself to, to his love. He channels his, his power in the direction of his love. Because if he is all loving, and for love to, for there to be love at all, there has to be free will. Many man will have the choice to choose to love God or not to love God. If he removes that free will from us, then there's no way we can truly claim to love him. There's no way, if we don't have the possibility of saying no, Pastor was given an example there as to um, his wife. If Ellie had no choice than to get married to him, so to say, if she could not say no to him, then she, we truly could not say he loved him, except she had the possibility of saying no. Or the, the, the yes, basically that's it. So that was the way he explained it. And he said, we as humans always take that, take that part of God for granted in a way where we then. They think because God allows some things to happen in the world, people will be like, God is not fair, God is not good. No, that is not the case. Because God subjects himself even to, to that law, to the fact that man has to have the free will to choose to love him or not, basically. Okay, so going through the verses, we started with this. Pastor, basically, got the 10 points love agenda from each of the verses as he was going through them one by one. And I believe we not, cannot go through or ten of them in five in five minutes. I'll just put on the part that really struck stayed with me. So there was a part where he, he mentioned that God cannot um he can't do more than he has done for us. That if I'm not if we are not grateful to God for what for if I'm not grateful if we, are, if we can't be more grateful to God in the future for what he will do for us and we should be grateful for him now because God has given us everything himself. He has given us his, his complete love, which is Jesus Christ. And we are complete in Jesus. Everything we have, our love for Jesus should not uh, should not be less. Now, when we don't have what we put on what we desire, we are praying for. 
that when we then get those things, that our love for Jesus will be much more because that is the fullness of God. God has given us all of Himself in doing that. So that actually saved it me and it was an eye point for me. And that part that was really enlightening was where he did an exposition on the Romans chapter verse thirty five and thirty nine, giving a contrast to it, where he said uh, uh, spirit, if our spirit is not caused on the inside, we cannot we cannot be caused on the outside. We cannot um fail basically on the outside, meaning when in the in the in that scripture said, What shall separate us from the love of God? And what the Bible says in verse thirty five say a lot of the things we can control are, are pain, frustrations and things like that. These are things that we can control. And those thoughts happening to us should not should not um make us lose our love for Christ. If they are not enough to make us think God doesn't love us enough, the the fact that we've not gotten what we wanted, maybe a job or we're getting some frustrations or or pain and things like that, it's not enough to say God doesn't love us. Because God has demonstrated the fullness of his love by giving us Jesus. And verse 39, which is the the contrast to it, was was where where he then said, he then related, who can separate us from the love of Christ when they are tired saying angels, demons, which are things that we can't control. So he said, he made the contrast by saying, if those stuff in verse 39 can't take the love of Christ from us, the pain, disappointment, and, and all that, and there is nothing on the external that can take it from us. That's left my heart. But I was, it kind of related to some things that I felt at that time, and it was really good. So I then knew that as long as I can keep pursuing the revelation of God's love being revealed in my heart, Every day, I don't lose sight of that. There is really nothing I can't, I, I can't, there's really nothing else that can take God's love from me. He said another, another part of the scripture there was, who can, who can, who can it's, God, it's God that himself that justifies the elect. So no one is, is no one is in a position to condemn me or to, or, or to judge me, but God himself. So meaning, um, I should pursue judgment scale of God, but that's what is really important. It's not about humans, it's not about what others think. It's first about God's judgment scale. Because he's the only one that can judge me, the only one that can really um, justify me also. And at the same time, I related it to also seeking the praise. Because if God is the one that can judge me, then it should also be, it's also, it's also, it's also his praise that should be seeking. Basically, I'm not the praise of humans. Because if I can do that, then our eyes and our focus to stay on God. And then I think the, the important, the other, the last part was where he then encouraged the house to, to not lose the love of God, that we shouldn't, because there's a possibility of losing his love, the possibility of falling away from his love, when we then start to put the weight of what we are going through above God's love, when we I'm trying to remember the quote where he said, um, in Manila State, was where the lack itself is not the absence of the sin, but it's more of a longing for those things that come from our desires and love. So if we put a weight on some on some things above the love of God, those things are the ones that are capable of taking us out of God. That that is, we are the ones that can define what can take us out of God. No one else by the desires and the love of our heart. So we need to put those things under control, under subjection to the love of God. And that's how the Holy Spirit helps us to have that self-control to do that.
I think that is my view of the study. Thank you, everyone. Thank you very much, Adura. Great and immense your prayers about God giving us and helping us get self-control. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> now, up next would be House of Bread. And um, before we proceed forward, everyone will be, you know, sharing subsequently. Remember to share your name, state your name, the unit you are, the message you're taking, and the teacher of that message. All right. So, Hobbs, over to you. Good evening, everyone. My name is Tinoade Dyer from House of Bread. I'll be taking the 26th installment by Minister Jumo. So um, this, this installment is um, majorly focused on fresh consciousness and Christ consciousness. And Minister Jumo Minister started by mentioning that the consciousness of one of the things that really stood out for me was um that consciousness of our mind whatever our mind is um stayed on is preoccupied on is what we will lead by he called um this the law of building as um found in the book of second corinthians chapter 3 verse 18 which is that um as we build we become whatever we are whatever we are viewing it's basically what we reflect and um so as such in whichever way or whatever state that we find ourselves that we find ourselves in it's because we've made it um the preoccupation of, of our consciousness and and um and um you also meant, went on to mention that the preoccupation of your art is sponsored by the walking either in the flesh or in the spirit uh, that is it is determined by whatever whatever you are fueling so if you are fueling the things of um the spirit if you are fueling like intimacy with um with god with christ then of course definitely you'll be christ conscious and then you mentioned that the only way to enslave the flesh the only guarantee of victory over flesh is um is being Jesus conscious, making your preoccupation Jesus. And we also went on to discuss that once um Jesus is your preoccupation, it eliminates it eliminates possibility of sin um in our lives because immediately flags anything inconsistent with the image of Jesus of Jesus. He gave the example of um if you are looking in the mirror and suddenly you notice that you have a pimple on your face that wasn't there before, you notice it immediately because it's it's an anomaly. It's not something that is usually there. And this is like the same thing that happens when you are conscious of um your Jesus conscious at any moment when there is something that is not in alignment with um the personality of God, who God is, you, it is pointed out, it is flagged, and God does not point this out to condemn us, but it's um, it's geared towards um, forging an image of Christ that is an image in us that is consistent with the image of Christ, and um, 
also i think one one thing that also really stood out for me in this installment is that your environment reflects whatever makes up um your consciousness and um this is this ties to um the teaching by p dams where he mentioned that um faith and fear are basically just lenses that are used to view um your reality so um in this sense if um you are sin conscious you are conscious of fear and all of these other things that sway you from focusing on god then definitely the things that are established in your environment are going to be in um alignment with what you are focused on and also he mentioned about how they are and definitely we've seen in scripture how it is all around in the bible where where it shows that it's basically just very important for us to stay on christ to be focused on christ like when you're focused on christ on the person of christ and not basically focused on yourself every other thing just doesn't seem to matter because you are focused on that one person and at the end of the day everything just makes sense and um lastly mentioned that how how do we build um jesus consciousness and he said we invest in this consciousness it's not something that we just find ourselves in it's something that we work actively for it to happen and number one he said we give ourselves to christ daily we yield to to christ we walk in daily alignment we pray and we meditate on the word so the number one tool to um being spirit conscious is by fueling your intimacy your intimacy with christ so yes that's all thank you very much thank you very much god bless your heart thank you very much um so move right to the next unit uh that is buzz buzz i hope you're ready for us please over to you buzz And everybody please confirm that you can hear me yes ma'am i can all right good evening uh, my name is peace below and i will be reviewing the 26th installment uh on behalf of the boss team this um uh, this installment was taken was taught by pastor nonso orgy and the, the title is a lesson on past and glory the main text is um, Romans chapter 8 from verse 9 to 16. So pastor started with an overview of the importance of the series, highlighting the fact that the ultimate destination of this roadmap we have been following is a place called God, such that as we continue to follow the roadmap, our lives begin to bear a semblance with God. And as people see us, they see God. Now, there's always a partnership that has to exist. Man can either partner with the spirit and enslave the flesh or partner with the flesh and enslave the spirit such that um, there is no longer the manifestation, the 16 manifestations of the flesh that Pastor Dami talked about in the pneumatology subseries. There is, there is never um, an in-between in this relationship. Man is either carnal or spiritual. And in Romans 8 verse 9, the Bible didn't say that we do not have flesh. It says that the flesh 
is no longer our habitation. Our habitation is the spirit, as long as we have confessed Jesus as, a, as the Lord over our life. We have we received a measure of Christ's spirit, and we now have the infrastructure that will help us to enthrone the spirit to the detriment of the flesh. We are in the spirit. We source our lives from the inside and not from the outside. So Pastor also mentioned that we begin to understand the attributes of the flesh, of our life. Uh, we understand that the attributes of our life is not linked to the flesh, but it's linked to the spirit. And we are supposed to lend credence to this declaration as it begins to invoke in us a super consciousness of the things of the spirit. When our lives um, is uh, ruled by the spirit of God, the flesh automatically dies. It has no choice but to give in to the desires of um, the spirit because the soul is now um, in collaboration with the spirit of God and our own spirit. So we have to come to that point in our life that um, no longer gives the flesh a choice at carnality. Also, um, pastors shared that the protocols that live to the manifestations of the enslaved flesh as, as um, written in verses 10 to 11 is that first, the body loses consciousness of sin. That is the, the, the manifestations of the flesh. They are now gone. The spirit gains consciousness of righteousness and the soul becomes fused to the spirit. Verse 12 to 13 says that if we live according to the flesh, we will die. But if we live according to the spirit, we live. This verse reminds us of the fact that we are still free moral agents and there is still a possibility for us to move over to the fleshly. So when we live our lives according to the spirit, one of the realities that God begins to furnish with us is that we begin to understand the severity of the price that Christ paid on the cross for us. And because of this price, we become eternally indebted to him. And we understand that we must consistently choose the way of the spirit because this is the way we show our gratitude for the sacrifice that Christ gave for us. It's when we forget the sacrifice that we begin to treat the life of the spirit as if it's a common thing. Verse 14 says that as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. This means that what verifies our status as sons is not just a verbal statement, but the degree of leadership of the spirit over our lives, evidenced by the amount of spirit-inspired virtues that our enslaved flesh now begin to display. And the closing verse of this episode says that the spirit we have received is not the spirit of bondage again to fear, but it's um, the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And every man that lives in the spirit received an assurance. We have now received an assurance that we have been adopted into the family of God. And we can now call God our father, our own daddy. And it's in this place of God's daddyship over us as we walk in the spirit that we begin to enter into glory. So I will close with a very important question that pastor asked, which is that if I begin to chronicle the attributes of your life, will I see pointers to the leadership of God to show that you are a son of God? Thank you all. God bless. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, so just for, for the sake of time, whenever you're done 
as a team member, you just call on the next person to take over from you, um, just so that we can save time. All right, so Buzz. The next representative from Buzz. Hello, good evening. All right, good evening, sir. Okay. Can we hear me, please? Just confirm if you can hear me. Yes, I can, sir. Okay, thank you very much, sir. Good evening, good evening, house. Good evening, everybody. Okay, so I'll take the next one. I want to appreciate um, the leadership of the house, Pastor Dami and pastors. Thank you for this opportunity to actually review the word. Okay, so I'll be taking the book of Romans 25.0. My name is Uzadema Okezeh. All right, and uh, it's on pneumatology three, taken by Pastor Dami. So, um, basically, Pastor just started with asking a question, and he asked, um, "Why is it very difficult, or is it most difficult to? Um, why is sexual desire the most difficult to put under control, and why the Bible warns most against it? You know, because um, you could just see that." Sexual desire could actually lead to so many other things, like Pastor stated. He said, um, sexual desires, you know, can stem up all the forms of sin, you know, and they just keep on rising because you see that, you know, whatever we're trying to do, we're trying to gratify the flesh, trying to please maybe the lady, the person, you know, and we'll probably get money. And in that way, you, you're still trying to be greedy, all of all this just to get you know a person a lady and so he asks why is it why is it so why is it the thing that bible warned more against and he started stating certain things but he actually mentioned the fact that we have the power to control sexual desires control you know our body why because we are in christ we are in christ and god has given us the ability and he went further to say that you know, uh, we can actually bring our desires to God, to the Holy Spirit, and ask for help. That the scripture where in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, talks about we coming boldly before God to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So that need you know, could actually be, you know, when we are carried away, you know, with so much sexual desire trying to overwhelm us you can actually just go to god at that moment and ask god for help and really god would help but in that he tried to you know state the difference between um the sexual freedom we have as christians and that that is viewed in the world you know he talked about that sexual freedom in the world means liberty to indulge you know one's compulsions you know that you're just free to do anything, go here, do it there, do it with this person, do it with this thing, do it with this animal. And that's why you have with the LGBTQ plus, you know, that is, you know, freedom for them, sexual freedom. But for us in the New Testament, in Christ, you know, such freedom is actually defined by our capacity to say no. So if we have the freedom, what do we do with the freedom? You know, it's our capacity to say no, no, not to sing, no to, not to you know lasciviousness, not to adultery, not to fornication, because all of these things are the works of the flesh. 
all right? And you know, he said the works of the flesh actually stem from you know, sexual immorality. So we can actually say, you know, because this is our freedom, all right? The ability to say, you know, is our freedom. And one way we can do this as well is to present our bodies as living sacrifice unto God. So he further went to, you know, to talk about, you know, the, the point, you know, where he actually looked at Romans chapter 8, because that was the cross of the text, Romans chapter 8, verse 1 to 2, you know, where say we are no longer, you know, in condemnation. Everyone who's in Christ Jesus, you know, they're walking not after the flesh, but after the spirit, for the spirit of of, of the of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has given us, you know, freedom over the the, the, the spirit of the law and death. All right, and he made mention the fact that, see, for us to actually live and walk perpetually with God, that we must actually live in Christ. Now, live under grace, because that is what the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has given us. You know, he has freed us from the spirit of, you know, law and death, all right? So he has given us the grace to actually live the life. And he just went further to just break it down. You know, talking about the law will always, you know, point you to, to what sin, but won't give you the ability to do it. But grace will do that for you, would give you the ability to. Why? Because it is a teaching grace. And it's that grace that helps us to, uh, to say no, you know, to, to say no at every point in time. So it teaches us to do and it enables us to do you know so i will just quickly rush because there's so much pastor said there and but there's one thing that actually you know that is actually very very important he said that now in these there are things that are part of the flesh the, the the spirit and the soul but we must understand that the spirit is actually unchanged okay or because um it is where the heart comes in place all right, and they said the heart is the place where God has changed his nature by the help of the Holy Spirit, which is different from your spirit. It is a heart that de determines what you follow. All right, so our heart could be stony or our heart could be fleshy. All right, that is the heart of flesh and the heart of stone. All right, could be any of those two. And, you know, it is the will. It's the center of, of emotion, of of you know, of the will to do what we want to do. And so we can actually say, uh, this is what I want to do. This is where my life should be headed. Now, in doing that, the spirit and the flesh cannot intermingle. Why? Because there are two words apart, but the, the heart is actually the middleman between the flesh and the spirit. So it's that the more we impact or the spirit impacts the heart, all right, we get to enslave the flesh. All right, but the more the flesh gets to impact the heart, the more it enslaves the spirit. So, for the two, you see that you enslave one or you would enthrone the other. So, he mentioned this that the flesh can only be enthroned or enslaved and can never be bargained with. All right, the flesh can only be enthroned or enslaved and then can never be bargained with. So, there's no middle ground for the flesh. So, the more you give, you know more attention to the flesh, the more it rises in rank as, oh, do this, do this, and you just gradually lose consciousness of the things of God. But the more we give our spirit the, the dominance the, to, to, 
or praise, the more we rise in the things of the spirit and we are more conscious of the things of the spirit and the flesh is enslaved. So that was very striking to me. And so you're talking about that nature being changed. He said, one way we can actually help in changing the nature of people, because he said, one thing he said, the nature of the spirit cannot be changed, but it can only influence, but its influence can be altered by the posture of the hearts. The influence can be altered by the posture of the heart. So the heart can actually, you know, try to not bring about a change in the person. And how do we go about doing that? He said, by walking in love and interceding for people. But also when you want to approach somebody in preaching, when you want to approach somebody and correcting somebody, you have to do it in a way that the person would get to buy into what you are saying. So you do that walking in love. Try to understand, try to to get a way you can actually minister to the person that this person would get struck by the word, by the Holy Spirit, and get changed over time. So you pray on and pray until you seek changes. So going further, he, you know, start delving into Galatians 5, 16 to 8, and why we're not talk, talking about the works of the flesh, you know, where he talked about um, wrath, strife, down to the last part. Okay, so um, because of my time, I believe I will just be rounding off with it. So he, he said something about all of these things, the works of the flesh, you know, talking about drunkenness, envies, heresy, sedition, um, revelings, strife, and rot. Because we only looked at eight on that day, the last eight, you know. And all of these, you know, he said something very, very important that, you see, most of these works of the flesh, all right, especially when we talk about um, heresy, he said, is only Christian or a child of God who has gone deep in the word of God can actually, you know, get into heresies, okay? And so in all of these things, what we can do is to actually tame the flesh, all right? And how do we tame the flesh is, basically yielding ourselves to the word of God, yielding ourselves to the word of God, because the life of the spirit is the life of the word of God. All right, the word of God creates the boundary of the spirit. And so for us to actually walk in the spirit, we have to walk in the word of God. So we walk in the word of God, then we work in the spirit. And the spirit, you know, helps us not to fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so we just yield ourselves to the word, give ourselves to the word, get, get, you know, engrossed in the word and allow the word control ourselves. And, you know, pastor ended up with Psalm 139, verse 23 to 24, where he made a prayer. They said, as David said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thought and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. All right. In that way everlasting, we'll have so many restrictions, all right, but that is freedom. And so you ask God to set it out because you might not be able to do it by yourself, but ask God to help you set it out so that he can lead you in the world everlasting, which will not tell you, say no to certain things, say no to certain things. So if we don't have no's in our vocabularies as Christians, then we need to check our, our level of spirituality because as a spiritual person, we'll be able to say no and no and no. That should be our language. So I will stop here. Thank you very much.
Um, good evening. Thank you very much. Yes. Good evening, Charlie. Um, my name is Kazim Kodri, representing Boz. Um, I'll be reviewing the Book of Romans, um, the 27th installment um, by Pastor Yinka Adibayo. Um, she started off by reviewing the previous installment by um, Pastor Nonsu, um, which, um, which piece was able to review earlier. Um, but one of the striking things that she started off with was the fact that the spirit of um, adoption is the spirit that gives us um, our knowledge in Christ. Um, so also, she would mention that the spirit of fear can come in two ways, um, voluntary and involuntary. So um, the voluntary way is true sin, and involuntary way is true by birth. So every man that is born of a woman is originally born into um, the spirit of fear. But when we come into Christ, we take the spirit of adoption, which is I'm sorry, I didn't mention this, which is the topic of this particular um, installment. So um, she later segued into the three dimensions of the spirit of adoption, um, which one the first is childhood in God, um, then headship in God, then sonship in God. Um, one of the scripture verses she mentioned was Luke 15, um, 11 to 22, which was majorly about the prodigal son. and going through that um, scripture verse gave me the understanding that um, at times we find ourselves as just children in God. We don't really realize that we should be his, which was almost like a situation where the other brother was complaining to the father um, about the way the father was um, celebrating the son that came back. Yeah, so some of the qualities of um, the spirit, sorry, the dimension of child within God um, includes affection, intimacy, dependency. And one striking thing about um, children is that they misinterpret corrections as condemnations. Yeah, so um, later, Pastor Inka segued down into what I titled basic amenities in Christ. Um, yeah. So there are three major ones, healing, divine provision, fellowship with God. There are others, but basically these three things, you would always get this no matter what dimension you are in Christ. So if um, you are just a child, you definitely get access to healing, divine provision and fellowship with God. And sometimes we, we can easily just forget this very factor. That's why you find people who are heirs forgetting the fact that they have, um, they have the liberty to healing and they start to go ahead to do other things that are wrong. Then she, um, she dived deeper into the sonship dimension and she listed out eight um, characteristics about sonship dimension, but I'll just be talking about the last two she discussed, which is um, the love of God in sonship is typified by the deep and consistent devotion in worship. Um, this brings back the, I think the message which pastor preached, but basically we should always ensure that to, to reaffirm our sonship in God, we should ensure we have consistent devotion in worship and consistent devotion with God. And the um, last one, which is the love of God is typified by pruning and chastisement. Um, Pastor Inkalita mentioned two major things that characterizes sonship and childhood in God. Um, sons equate sufferings to maturity, while children equate sufferings to poverty. So um, every person that understands his place in God that has grown into the dimension of sons, they don't see when you correct them, they don't see when God even gives them instruction about 
certain things as a way to maybe should i say hold them back they just see it as a way that they are growing in god they're growing in maturity but why children just see it as that god is just making life hard for them i think that's basically how some of them see it and i think the last thing that pastor inka discussed was that when we go to heaven which um dimension would we see of ourselves in heaven welcoming us would we see the sweet liquors which are the children or do we see the one with the crown in the, on their head which are the ones that have actually gone through the sufferings of christ on earth to be able to attain glory in him um thank you very much that's the short summary from me thank you so much boss thank you so much kazim thank you so much Okeze. thank you so much Ms. Bello. God bless your heart. Um, so we'll just move right next to the next team that's back on us. I hope we're ready. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Um, my name is Odine Karu, and I'll be representing the Beckoners. I'll be taking the 28th installment and 29th installment by Pastor Ituru and Pastor Ewai. Um, the 28th installment was titled Transformer the Last Trump. Um, it was taken from Romans 8, 22 to 25. Um, Pastor Ituru started by giving a summary of the previous teaching by Pastor Yinka, where he talked where she talked about the adoption dimensions of adoption. But as Kazim earlier said, so I won't really go too deep with it but what really stood out for me in the teaching was where he where he and um, where she talked about how sons equate suffering to maturity um, how yeah how sons equate suffering to maturity and children equate suffering to departure and that was like the key um focus of this whole teaching um one thing we get to see is that the pathway to sonship is true suffering. Where Pastor Ituru um, gave a Bible verse from Galatians 4, 1. And he said that being a child of God at one level is great, but it rests upon us to grow. And the pathway to that growth is true suffering. And just reminds me of um, Kappa series where um, we, we learned about um, believers going through suffering and trials and um yeah believers going through suffering and trials and you get to see that this is this is something that um everyone every believer is going to is going to go through and um suffering is contextualized here as the submission of our will or our our rights and you see that apostle paul explained how um how the suffering or submission of our will can't be compared to the internal eternal or future glory ahead um where pretty i gave an example of childbirth and how um the the pain people and um, women go through during this period so he sectioned this teaching into two sections section one was when he gave um he titled hopeful bondage now he um it started from Romans 8 20 to 22 where he talked um where he talked about how creation is also going through this suffering 
not willingly and also man is going through this suffering but the question that he asked was if we have received this first fruits i mean if we have been adopted why are we going through this suffering i mean if if christ is living in me if i've been forgiven of my sin why am i still going through this groaning or this waiting period waiting for adoption and he he gave a bible verse um ephesians 1 13 to 14 yeah he tells where he talks about the seal of promise we have received so this seal of promise is is like a down payment unto redemption so we get to see that it explains how we are saved but we are waiting for salvation how we are redeemed but we're waiting for redemption and it's this waiting period is where the groaning happens where that suffering happens that every believer will have to go through he gave a Bible verse of First um, Peter 1.18, how we are bought by the precious blood of Christ. And so this promise we're waiting for is us waiting, um, is us waiting for God to come and receive us unto himself. That, that is the seal of promise. Um, he, he went for that, um, sorry, section two is um, titled Wine and Wineskin from Romans 8, 23 to 25. And he went further to talk about um, this groaning. We get to see that this groaning that happens inwardly or this waiting period eagerly for adoption as sons is so that we can redeem our bodies. It tells us that the flesh cannot be converted or renewed and that that's what explains the groaning in us because we are, const uh, we are constantly at war. Our flesh is constantly at war between um, our flesh and our spirit. So we need to learn to put our flesh under subjection until redemption comes. Um, sorry. So basically, our hope is not only for this word, there's there's a word after, there's a transformation that we're waiting to happen at the last trumpet. And this is for the redemption of our body where Christ comes to receive us where he is. And that is um, what we are eagerly waiting for, the consummation of our body. Uh, yes, consummation of which there have been a down payment on that seal of promise for him to receive us to where he is. So basically this, um, teaching is just telling us about the future glory ahead and how, as P.I. titled it, to suffering and smiling, how it's, it's, norm, it's normal for Christ, believers to go through suffering, but we should not look at the, um, how personal, so we say, Terry, the devil wants to exchange the eternal for the ephemeral. And so this future glory, we should not look at just what is in front of us but we should look at what is ahead um so i'll be taking the 29th installment by pastor ay which has titled live in the spirit so he started with a little review from romans 1 to 8 well because of time i can't go through all that so he takes us back to romans 8 where he began to tell us about the things the holy spirit helps us to do he started with how the Holy Spirit does things for us, diverse things. And you find out in Romans 8, 
verse 5, that the Holy Spirit helps us to think about things that pleases the Spirit, that he, he helps us to mind the things of the Spirit. And in Romans 8, verse 11, he told us that the Holy Spirit gives life to our mortal bodies. In Romans 8, 13, he helps us to put death to the deed of the flesh. In Romans 8, 14, we get to see that the Holy Spirit leads us. In Romans 8, 16, the Holy Spirit be bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. In Romans 8, 23, he gives us a foretaste of the future glory. In Romans 8, 26, he helps us, he helps us in our weakness. Now, one thing that really stood out for me in this teaching is that the Holy Spirit is not just praying passively for us. He's putting his emotions in it with groanings that cannot be expressed. Like he's deeply involved with us. And that, that, that just says a lot. I mean, I mean, there are a lot of times that we're praying and we don't even know what we're praying for. But knowing that there's somebody that is, that is even more emotional to the prayer they are praying is just, it's just really amazing. And here's this avenue to tell us that we should not stop praying as believers since the Holy Spirit is involved, because the prayer life of a believer is very important and it's a tripartite activity that is not just you praying, it is you praying to the Father through in the name of the Son and by the Holy the power of the Holy Spirit. And they are actively active participants in this in a believer's prayer. Um sorry. I mean, we didn't get everything we have through praying. Pastor Iwai made mention of that. Every single thing you have in this life, you didn't pray for it. So it's the Holy Spirit has been interceding for us in our prayers. He helps us to intercede according to the will of the Father. He, he is able to navigate our prayers to align with the will of the Father. So the Holy Spirit is aligning us to God. And all, we know that all things work together for those that love God. So no matter the suffering we might be going through, God is able to make all things um, work together for our good. And it just reminds me of one of uh, Miles Moore's messages I listened to. And he was like, nothing happens by mistake or coincidence. God is in all things and he knows all things. Uh, when listening to Pastor Ewa's message, he said that God um nothing happened in isolation god is involved with everything like he forms his idea god is god god knows what is happening in every believer's life so no matter what you are going through the holy spirit is is with you so once you are yielded to the spirit god is able to make all things work together for his good nothing is in isolation i mean he forms every idea we are never at a disadvantage as long as we walk in love um, one thing I'm just going to be saying is um, the devil tries to keep men from understanding the work of work and importance of the Holy Spirit. But as Pastor Ewai said, and this is what I'm going to be ending with, let the word of God shape your perception about God and not the world or your culture. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Ogana Karo. Um, so who's the next person from the backers?
Good evening, everyone. My name is Christiana. I'm representing the Beconas, and I'll be talking about the value chain of glory as the 30th installment that's from Romans 8:29, and it says, Pastor Dami, Pastor Dami preached that installment. So it says, for whom he did for know, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So a pastor did a lot of breaking down in this installment that we talked about the foreknowledge of God is different from predestination. And that we talk about the, the foreknowledge is the intricacies of the father. Predestination is the orchestration design of earthly pathways in alignment with the image of Christ, with the foreknowledge of us in mind before being born. And he's talked about justification, that is the, qualifi the qualification humanity requires to pick up an assignment or calling by divinity. So this is an attempt to eliminate sin through our faith in Christ. That is being born again, we being called into Christ, accepting Jesus as our Lord and personal Savior. So it was. It explains that being born again is, just, is not just a cliche, that it's not just a cliche that everybody is called. Born again, you have a destiny to fulfill, you have a purpose to accomplish because God has a foreknowledge of us even before we were, we were brought to this. So, when it comes to justification, glorification, it is the exaltation of the man who was fully delivered on the assignment of God. This is people that work according to the purposes of the purposes and plan that God has for their life, and this also explains how that our real identity is holiness in christ the pastor expound that aside christ we are we are nothing because in christ we begin to we begin to establish which he has predestined for us what he has for new so we have to be in our realest identity is holiness and um we moved into prayer we, we talked about prayer how that prayer shows that there is an alignment of our consciousness so prayer is sentimental to the one who predestined God and for us meaning that when we pray we divorce our will we divorce our will to the commit we divorce the commitment to our will and take up the mantle of the will of the father just in the way second um, corinthians um then verse five uh speaks about how that uh i mean i'm trying to open that scripture he said he talks about casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of god and bringing into captivity to the obedience of christ so when we are praying we submit our will and i remember how pastor used the um um the explanation of the potter's will and the will that is the w h double -E l and the w i l l just makes me made me remember um the potter's view. I don't know how many of us remember that book we read during jump before last year's Avocados High School. The potter's view. After this guy was this very sports sports child, but his father took him to live with an headmaster, with his headmaster, and the headmaster shaped his life. He shaped his life. When he came back home, he was a different person. So this is what prayer does. Prayer prayer divorce our commitment to our will. It removes the will of the pots. I remember um, Pastor Nosus preached a few weeks ago and he said when he was talking about the life of Joseph and the thing that that stands between us and the will of God is self. 
So how we can eradicate self is by praying. So this um, Romans 8, 29 really talks about praying. It's the emphasis is prayer, that before we can come into what God already has in plan for us, we have to pray because we don't we, we, we don't know what God has in plan for us, except we pray. So the will of the pots cannot be an active component as we become to a place where we submit everything to Christ and say, God, take, take it all. I will do according to what you see. So as long as the will is active, you cannot fulfill what God has designed. We can't fulfill what God has designed for us. So prayer follows the details of the predestination, not our destination. So we might be saying, I have passion for this. I'm going this way. But when we pray, you just you just realize that, oh, this is not, you you, you don't do that thing which you want to do, just like, like Paul said in the book of Romans. So when we pray, you 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 submit your will. And that thing that you think that you you want to do is not what really God has in plan for you. So to the extent that is an alignment, is to that extent that you'll be firmed and crowned, that no one can can take away from you. It's to that extent. So in all that we do, we should always remember to pray. It's not just enough for you to be like, okay, um, especially in line of our career, Pastor mentioned it, about our career path, our career growth. You just want to become um, a career person. You just want to become a career person. So we just have to know that in that thing that we are doing, Christ has to be fulfilled. Who is getting saved? Are you getting saved? Are people getting saved? Is um, the kingdom of birth here on earth? So I'll just leave a what pastor said, uh, the affirmation he just dropped. He said, uh, I am holy, I am without blame. I stand before him in love. I am holy, I am without blame. I stand before him in love. So no one is, no one is born no one is born a mistake, and you don't blame God for the experiences that forge you. You thank Him instead. So I am holy. I am without blame. I stand before Him in love. Yeah, that'll be all. Thank you. Thank you so much, Christina. Thank you so much, tribesmen. Can we just, uh, you know, say a quick word of prayer for everyone who has shared and everyone who has taught us. And let's just thank God for the review thus far. Let's thank him that um, for the assurance of his word, the availability of revelation for access. Father, we thank you. Father, we give you praise. Thank you for the availability of your word. We thank you for the availability of the revelation knowledge. We thank you for our pastors. We thank you for our teachers. We thank you for everyone who has reviewed and we thank you for the privilege to go over your word, to ruminate over your word, and to just share and be a blessing. Thank you, Lord. This exercise has refreshed our hearts once again, and we do not take this for granted. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Wow, what a word. For more messages, connect with our tribesmen across all social media platforms at PowerPoint Tribe.